1: Welcome to TPQ20, where we go beyond the page with poets about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. I'm Courtney Margolin.
0: And I'm Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hey. Hello, hello. How are you doing? How are you doing, George? Hello.
1: Nice to meet you
0: all. How are nice y'all doing? Nice to meet me? you. Doing all right. I'm Chris
1: And I'm Courtney. Welcome to TPQ20.
0: Thank you so much for hanging out with us on this Thursday afternoon. So we always kind of like to start off by saying, you know, we know who you are. I've been following you for a while now, but our audience may be new to you. If you were to do an elevator pitch of who you are, who are you?
2: So I am a first and foremost poet. I am a Palestinian American and... I like to write about Palestinian-American shit. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Love it.
0: (laughs) So then digging into the questions, when it comes to poetry in the world of literature, uh, what are you most passionate about? What really gets you going when it comes to just poetics?
2: I guess like, (laughs) dovetailing off the first answer, thinking about like writers who are using poetry to resist colonialism to resist empire to make us like see language in a new way like understand language as an accomplice to empire and kind of invert and subvert the I guess hierarchies and power dynamics implicit to the English language and that happens to be like poetry happens to be a lot of the spaces I think that Tends to view language on that granular, intimate level that'll like that can kind of raise these questions of power. Definitely, um, and it's not to say that yes. fiction or a good fiction, yeah. or nonfiction will also do it. I think that's kind of what drew me to poetry is that question of power, the question of like language's role in poetry. Has a complicated relationship to history, I think, but uh, <laughs> and also, also, yeah. what poetry gets remembered, I think, is is also a function of like state in historical memory as well yes uh, and so I think that relying on relying on poetry for history also has its like issues (laughs) oh yeah virtue of by by, by virtue of like you know colonial systems and power yeah
1: I think that's one of the fascinating things and and how you're looking at that is that that power play who has the power I taught as well and I taught ancient civilizations and we looked at kind of who had the power and who was writing the history. So that was one of the things we looked at in poetry. So utilizing the power of words and um, doing that through poetry now. I love that play on using it to resist.
0: Yeah,
1: I think it's one of the most powerful ways that we can use words is to resist, especially colonialism. Uh, Definitely poetry is such a powerful thing. Uh, So outside of the world of poetry and literature, I'm hearing resisting. Um, is one of your passions, possibly. Is that true? Is there anything else that is um, moving you these days?
2: In terms of, so, like, I guess, like, passion and background. Before I really got into poetry, the predominant art form I used to, like, do is music, actually. I played piano since first grade. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was, like, hilarious. and My parents, like, put me in lessons and were just like, oh, okay, so, like... We naturally anticipate that, like, his interest is gonna like be uh, like high at first because oh, it's a new shiny thing in the house, right? And then over like maybe two or three years, he'll just get over it. And then they were just like, oh no, crap! He like (laughs) plays every single day for like at least an hour. And they just didn't know what they, like, got themselves into and, like, had to, like, listen to all of my, like, (laughs) playing the same most basic songs to, like, learn, like, to learn over and over and over again. And so, but, like, it's interesting because I actually, like, thought about, you know, and so that that continued from first grade all through high school. (laughs) Um, And when I got to college, I actually there was like a shift where I started realizing that for a lot of reasons, like personal, you know, personal and intellectual, plus like, I guess also cultural as well. I think, especially, I was a classically trained pianist. So I think that like thinking about the world of classical music, it's literally so inaccessible to the point where like, if you haven't like been in this kind of special lessons, and if you haven't had this kind of access and training, there's zero hope for you to become an actual classical musician. My piano teacher actually told me this early on in middle school, you're at, you're on a, no, you're at an apex where like if you wanted to become a professional pianist, you would need to like seventh grade onwards make piano your entire life. And then my Palestinian parents were like, uh, hell no, you're not making
1: piano your entire life.
2: <laughs> oh, and I'm so glad, I'm so glad they did. but i think that the ideas of piano have actually kind of shaped like how i entered uh poetry as an art form because i think that like one of the things i've grown to really love about piano is the mechanical rote muscle memory of it like thinking about how a song translates like notes on a sheet to like a physical sequence of actions in my hand. Yeah. I don't even need, like after a certain point, you don't even need the sheet music and it just becomes a part of you. And I can sit down at any piano and there's an entire like, you know, list of things in my head that I could just go and do. Also, no matter how much distance, nowadays I don't I don't take lessons anymore. I don't like play every single day, but it's also interesting seeing what sticks and what doesn't stick. I think poetry is kind of like that as well. Yeah. There is a mechanical, everydayness uh, to poetry of like just being with language every day kind of flexes those muscles in a way like the muscles of language in a way and so I think that like the ritual and repetition implied to music training is also true of poetry training just in a different kind of way but also the idea of like phrases and breaths you know in a music piece versus phrases in a poem Uh, the ideas of like thinking about like whenever i whenever i like take a break from poetry i always come back with like what has stuck and similarly with piano there it's interesting that certain songs of my upbringing have stuck even ones i haven't liked but ones i had to struggle with the ones i had to really like this mozart song that i don't like is teaching me a lesson of technique and i have mm. to and i have to perfect it and even though when I, I was a seventh grader complaining about it nowadays i'm like cool i can go and play those songs of my nightmares from middle school and just sit and they've ingrained themselves into my muscle memory there's a sim- similar things with poetry where i'm like yeah i think that like what sticks after taking like space from poetry is also very telling in a way as well so i think of that muscularity of memory I think is kind of piano taught me how to accept that for poetry as well.
0: Mm. There's
1: like almost that. kind I of a beautiful a- symmetry in making that training made the classical accessible as well through that training, right? Like you're doing that now with what your work is now through language.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a it's an easy way to segue into our next topic: the idea of process. You know, the idea that crafting you know what you've done on piano and what you've done with poetry there is that similarity there is what is your process now when it was practicing for you know an hour plus a day of piano forever mm-hmm. what's your process when it comes to writing Do you have any weird like superstitions or rituals or <laughs> anything
2: uh, anything that we should know about uh, are you training be-
1: yourself <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, i think it's like my process is to try a lot of processes actually like <laughs> I, I think of like process as a form of listening in a way as a form of reading thinking about like what is my body mind and soul like need for today and how i interact with my art today is not necessarily how i will interact with it tomorrow or right. in the past so i think that like emphasizing that there isn't like a singular process i think is important for me one process that has that I've kind of used a lot especially um I just left a like science grad school program to come to do a MFA and so I think that it's going to be different levels I guess different levels of engagement with poetry like when I'm like literally working in a lab and I'm like have that like I might be running experiments all night type thing and I have to physically fit poetry into my like Mm -hmm. every single minute of my day in that workflow versus like, what does it mean for like poetry to kind of be my life for the next like three years? It's kind of an interesting thing I'm going to have to grapple with process wise. But one of the things I really loved doing process wise for when I was like working full time in science was I have a bunch of note doc like just different documents on my phone and my notes app and I start every time I get a new poem idea I start a new note a new document on the notes app and it's just a very low pressure not even anything coherent definitely not a poem but just a bullet pointed list of okay what do I want to think about in this poem like sometimes like the first few things that'll come to me are like a line that I want to work up towards or a beginning line. Like, uh, but, like you know, parentheses, beginning line, question mark. And then, like, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's a formal idea that I just like, oh, I want to like try to use this poetic form in a different way or or sometimes just like a, a word. I'm like, I saw this word and I want to use it in a poem. And then, and then what happens is like, as I live with those ideas, as I take a, you know, as I like take a train ride with those ideas, as I, you know, experiment with those ideas stirring in my head and, you know, et cetera, literally whenever and wherever I am in the world, the more ideas that come, I just pull out my phone and insert those ideas in that. Like literally, Like anyone who's a friend of mine will know that sometimes I'm just casually talking about something not even poetry related. And I'm like, wait, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Open phone, I'm, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not being rude. I also have ADHD, so I'm like, my brain like, write this down now, I'm literally not gonna forget. I'm not gonna remember to like, write it down. Um, and, and so pretty much what happens is all these notes app poem ideas, whenever they just like, they all got to a point where sometimes it was three or four bullet points in, Sometimes it was like 20 bullet points in, there got to a point where I had some like spark and some click. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I have all these ideas, but like, eventually I arrived at like, oh, I wanna like actually try to write this into this form. And that was the like, concrete clicking point where I'm like okay I ditched the note app and actually open like a word document and write the poem or write on paper and just like actually write the poem so actually having this kind of pre-planning process almost I think and one that like I think it's nice because like sometimes when you just sit down to write a poem and you're like I want to write about blah go and just the empty page can be your worst enemy and the empty page can just be kind That's, of yes weird oh now I am pressure to do something with this and I'm like, yeah, no, instead of that, just take a walk with your poem. Like, live your life with your poem in your head. Like, how does, like, how is your poem becoming integrated into part of your, like, actual day and how you move through the world? I think that that's like, it has, of course, it has its drawbacks in terms of, like, I think it led to, it led to a lot of poems I really loved. But it also led to a lot of poems that on the surface seemed really good, that had a lot of really good lines and had a really a lot of really tight images and just interesting things about them. Mm-hmm but they didn't quite have a cohesiveness as a whole, as a unified, like, single piece of work. Right. And and I think that that's kind of unsurprising, being like, oh, okay, so bullet points one through three were, like, last month. Bullet points, you know, seven and eight were, like, yesterday then the rest were today and I'm like I was three different you know human beings <laughs> those three times when I was writing these bullet points and like how do I negotiate that sometimes that's really good for a poem sometimes that's not sometimes I'm like oh wow I wish I would have just you know when I wrote those first three bullet points I wish I would have just sat down that day and just got the poem out whatever it looked like that day so like part of as I grown and moved through the world. It's like knowing when I need to just like stop and let myself chase the poem versus when I need to simmer and marinate and like kind of let the ideas, yeah, let the ideas marinate a bit before I write the poem. I think that's going to be, that's important to it because it varies a lot poem to poem.
0: Well, and I have to, I mean, as somebody who has countless notes on, on my phone as well for the same type of thing, like you probably end up losing more lines than you've ever written because you just, there's somewhere back three years on your phone and they were yep. a great line three years ago yep. but it's hard to surf back that far when you're when you're trying to find something
2: yeah
1: that's also- and it's hard to remember who you were then too yeah and capture that what story were you trying to tell I and love- can you still tell that story
2: right i love especially the weird shit that i'm like oh like, I think there was like, it was just something like, was like, oh yeah, like I was like drinking with my friends one night and like the most, like I looked on my notes app and I'm like, wow, I wrote an idea down? I'm like, I don't even remember that. It's like, what was I thinking like back in writing this idea down? And I, I don't quite understand it, but the me I was then, Thought I was on to something. <laughs> it's just kind of interesting to look back on and like think about like the poem. Yeah, the poems we lose through this process. I don't yeah. know. I feel like those poems find a way of coming back and sneaking up on yeah.
1: and and, That kind of takes us to our next question is, um, and maybe this is part of it. What do you see as uh, being some of your biggest pitfalls or obstacles on your poetry journey? And mm-hmm. kind of how do you handle or navigate them and learn from them?
2: I guess like the distinction between like focus and discipline versus space and distance. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of my pitfalls fall down to that exact like dichotomy and knowing when to step back versus knowing when to just focus and go in. I think that especially when a lot of people talk about like the process of like writing a first book and such and you know the and all the joys and complications that comes with that process i think that at the end of the day i needed those moments of distance that like my life just gave me working in things that are not poetry and just doing things that are not poetry that was actually really helpful for my, like when I was like drafting and redrafting and editing and submitting and resubmitting uh, my first book, especially. And versus there were just moments when I needed to actually focus. And I just needed to be like, okay, I'm going to wake up and like, Look at this every day for insert period of time until this deadline or whatnot. And sometimes those focused moments can be really good, but sometimes those, they can also be really toxic. And thinking like, "Oh, why is this book not done?" or "Oh, why am I like like why am I doing it like this?" And I'm like, you know, then I go into this kind of mode of over editing almost and just overthinking. When I just put something away and look at it two weeks later, and I'm like, "Oh, duh, that's what I need to do. Fix, fix, fix. Done. Like, you know." Yeah. So I think that like genuinely, like, just giving yourself space to do other things. Like, the second I started seriously writing essays in fiction, like, that was one of the best things for my poetry. I honestly feel like those were some of the, like, my best poems I've written in, like, recent memory as in the past, like, four years were the result of me, like actively trying to reprioritize my writing to like work on fiction more at certain hmm. certain points of my life and then i try to write into a scene of a novel or a short story or something and then i realize, oh wait jk my obsession in this scene wasn't Like, fiction isn't the body for this. I actually want to write a poem about it. (laughs) (laughs) I know know, it's great, though, because it also, like, I think poetry thrives off of that kind of slow thinking in a way of, like, yeah, I need to percolate a lot. I need to marinate with my ideas. Whereas fiction, like, in nonfiction, it's great. It's like, okay, cool. I'm just going to turn out these paragraphs because I know I'm going to need to rewrite them five times anyway. So, like, it's just (laughs) a nice alleviation of pressure where I can just churn, 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 churn. And then when that gets tiring, I'm like, okay, let me go back to the slow, methodical rigor like, of poetry and versus the macro, I need to build a whole world kind of rigor of like, of, of prose. Uh, I think they're two different. There's a microscopic and a macroscopic notion of rigor in both of these kind of modes of writing that I'm like, yeah, no. I think some of the best advice I could give to someone is write something not poetry. Like, I promise will help your poetry. <laughs>
1: I think that's great advice.
0: Yeah, so that kind of brings us to that last question of what is exciting right now in the world of poetry? What are you excited about that's happening now? Who are you excited about right now? Um, And then what can we expect from you?
2: So who and what am I excited? Okay, I'm excited, honestly, by a lot. Like, I just, like, I mean, I feel like people listening to this are probably not going to be those, like, people who write those grouchy op-eds of like poetry is dead blah like you know but like who knows um like like honestly do you read like all of those people's I'm just like you're just telling on yourself that you're not reading because I feel like the state of contemporary poetry is just like hit a stride and it's continuing to stride yes. <laughs> and I just feel like almost like Almost every book of 2021 that I've read for, like, I just finished the Sealy Challenge and a lot of, like, about a third of it was, like, 2021 releases I was catching up on and I'm just, like, goodness gracious, this is, like, these are really good. Kaba, Akbar's latest book, uh, Danika Kelly's latest book, um, Muriel Lang, Imagine Us to Swarm, for example. Uh, Tracy May Fuad's book is coming out in October and I got an arc Mm -hmm. of it and it's just so, uh, it's called About Blank. It's just so 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 good, and uh, Rifka by Mohammed Al Kurd. These are all just kind of examples of like either forthcoming or like recent yeah. collections that I'm just like, wow, this is like, I am so excited to be alive and writing at the same time as these writers, and so I'm thinking, uh, so I think that honestly, just the general flow of like t- of 2021 poetry has been really optimistic and excited about the future and the fact that uh, so many. Like, I think Luther Hughes is, like, r- was writing a list of forthcoming books by queer people of color that I'm like, oh, my God, now 22 has a, 2022 has an entire list of, like, books that I'm so excited about. And I think that also, though, like, some of the, like, people I'm also most excited about haven't actually published their first full-length books. And I think Fargo Tabaki, for example, is one of my yes. favorite poets in the, probably the like, and honestly not just poet, but also he writes a lot of speculative yeah. fiction in the whole universe, honestly. And I think that anyone who gets to publish this book is going to be really lucky. I think there's a lot of, Rashad Abdul hadi has published like a few chapbooks, but like, whenever they have the full length, it's going to be amazing. Lena Abu Talib is another uh, Palestinian uh, poet who I'm super, super excited about and and so yeah i don't know so i guess a lot of the things are just like people just in my community and just like the process of like i always you know like discovering and finding a new poet. i remember like the first time i actually read a poem by lena was like earlier this year in the strange horizons palestine issue Mm -hmm. and i'm just like oh my gosh i need to know this person and then and she's like, she came and visited from Amman to like America and like was in the Boston area randomly and like, yeah, now we're friends. So it's like really, oh. no, it's, it's really great. And so I'm just, I, I really think that the community kind of keeps me going as something I'm really excited. Always finding new poets, I'm really excited about that. That's, there's no feeling like finding a new poet whose work gets me excited. <laughs> so,
0: Absolutely. I think that's that's why, I think that's why Courtney and I are, are here Absolutely. doing this today. Like this is that, and you're right, the, the, uh, just the, like the overwhelming, you know, I like all onslaught, but that's a terrible word for it. But all of these amazing, amazing new poets that are coming out in 2021, the releases are just, they're overwhelmingly just really does make me excited for what's to come over the next couple of years. Even some of the releases that we're seeing that are you know like Gabrielle Bates in in twenty twenty three I've got to wait for you know you've got to wait two more years to get some of these books. It's that's <laughs> that's such a like a horrifyingly wonderful feeling. Yeah, um, and it's cool to see people are excited about books that are coming out in like two years.
1: Yeah, um, for poetry, yeah. I yeah, love for it.
0: poetry. That's pretty amazing. How about for you? What can we expect from you? And what is out there that we can find?
2: So I. It's interesting because it's weird to say that Birthright has been out for a year and a half because it feels like it's been out for a month, <laughs> um, honestly. <laughs> pandemic,
0: the pandemic really makes uh, makes these new releases feel, uh, they can be new again.
2: Yeah, exactly. So Birthright is, I don't know, it's also like, I'm really like proud that I've written a book that you know, it was published a year and a half ago and I'm like, can pick it up and be like, wow, I did that, that's great. <laughs> like, uh, and yeah, I don't know, I guess I'm like really, I feel really privileged. I think a lot of like authors have this weird, ugh, my first book, blah, like in this fear and terror that it's in the world. And I'm like, no, I'm actually like, uh, I have a like really, I feel just really grateful uh, for my first book. I don't think I'm ever going to write a book like it again in a good way. And I, I think that like, this is a very unique, style it's also like 120 pages and it's like prose and poetry and just like a lot of just like kind of formal and aesthetic diversity that I think that my projects are kind of fitting more into a Like, okay, this this poem is belongs in this project versus this belongs in this project. My right. poems have a more like, kind of like linear separation to them now. And I love that Birthright was that big, messy, complicated debut that, yeah, I don't know. So there's just something beautiful to that mess, I guess. Yeah. and And so really, like, Birthright is very, like, very new to me. And just finding new ways to, like, a re-engage with it has been fascinating. The other, so in terms of future, um, I am working on like two new poetry projects. One of them is actually co-written with Fargo Tabaki. Um Ooh, <laughs> I
1: wonderful.
2: mentioned earlier, we have some exciting things we can't announce happening Sweet. in the near future <laughs> with, with this uh, co-written poetry project. Uh, That's so cool, thanks. very
0: cool. That's going to be really exciting.
2: Yeah. Also like more co-writing poetry. Like, I don't know if someone in the world is like one of your favorite poets, like, I don't know, befriend them and join community. And like, I don't know, like me and Fargo kind of started having these calls with our other friend, Hindi, and just through the pandemic, all three of us did a fellowship like two years ago. And that kind of solidify like solidified yeah. our all three of our online friendships became a concrete thing um, and then after, like then when the pandemic hit all of us were just like we're kind of dying and like let's just like call each other you know weekly ish and it's just like a no pressure just like writing with people we love and like it's mostly just like talking and catching up on each other's lives and like yeah. so you're like what are people reading what are people interested in now Uh, It's not even like formal writing or anything. And uh, it was just interesting how a lot of writing came out of that. Just something that's just like, we just want to be together. We just want to like check in with each other and survive the pandemic. And it turned into for me and Fargo, at least a project. Me and Newer have another thing too, that again, can't talk about for contractual <laughs> reasons, but like coming, <laughs> coming, coming soon. Uh, to well,
1: a I love all these secrets. And I think, yeah,
0: I think that's a pretty fantastic way to kind of wrap things up. We are super excited to see what is coming from you guys in the future. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on TPQ 20 today. And uh, we look forward to uh, what's to come.
1: Thank you. We look forward to seeing you again. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Have a great rest of your night.
1: Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. -bye. Thank you for listening to TPQ20. Please like, review, and subscribe.